I am unashamed. What about you? All right, welcome back to Unashamed. Zach, you, uh, we were talking about on the last podcast that you had been to Liberty with Will and Corey. I'd gotten an, uh, a text from one of my buddies from down south Louisiana. I guess his son was checking Liberty out, and he was like, someone is blowing duck calls on stage at Convocation <laughs> this morning. Who was that? I don't know. He said well, it was a student. What What was the deal with that? Is that somebody was blowing well, duck calls? Well, you know, you know, it wasn't Willie blowing a duck call. No, stage, I knew. So. And then he said Willie yeah. and Corey here, and then I, so I was confused. I was like, I, I don't know what's happening. This sounds like yeah. Chaos. They were sitting up there, and some guy in the audience was like, man, he's blowing the duck call. And uh, Jonathan um, Falwell, who runs the the convo thing, was like, is that a duck call? And so they, some kid out there in the audience, that uh, Willie called it, called him his mulleted, his mulleted friend because the kid had a big mullet. And uh, he said, yeah, he, he, they said, come on down. So the guy came down there and he did the whole feed call. He did the little, you know, he, so he had brought, he was a big fan. So he had brought a duck call, had the, all the shirt, you know, the duck commander shirt on and they got him on stage and he got to blow the duck call. Well, I, I did. So, I, I had another guy, Jay's one of our listeners. I think he's from the, I think he's from North of Memphis, sent me a note asking if I'd get you to sign something. There was a six year old kid and his name is Jace probably named after you he won a duck call contest six years old and so he wanted me to get you to sign something for this kid and send to him but he's he's winning contests now at six i thought it was a big contest 120 kids or something in this contest i said well that's pretty impressive now his future looks bright his future looks bright we had a weird thing happen yesterday we got on our last flight and the captain came out to give a speech and he was wearing a duck commander hat. Really? He was making all these jokes about, uh, you know, flying in to Monroe, Louisiana, where things fly and sometimes they don't. And uh, he was going to wing it. <laughs> and he was making all these subtle jokes. And, uh, like Jelp, all these puns. It was a bunch of puns. It was a bunch of puns. Jelp leaned over and said, I mean, this is all funny unless this is not a great flight. <laughs> <laughs> and so i said this is kind of weird i i thought it was a you know you're traveling with tv people and i thought it was some kind of prank by the tv people but yeah. no yeah like a it, setup yeah when we landed he was like so then he was there to greet us still had the duck commander hat on and did I, you take a picture with him oh yeah he said i was wondering if we could get a picture and so uh he was a fan was, yeah, and so then, but we were like the first people off. So when he said, want the picture, I was like, yeah, step on out here. But nope, he had to greet everybody. So then we had to wait till everyone got off. Ugh. And uh, he's like, let me call my wife real quick, you know. And Jet was like, well, we really got to go. And <laughs> he, I said, no, call his wife, you know. And we did the video call. Oh, yeah. So, because uh, I thought you never know when you need a good pilot. No, that's right. Because you that's may true. wind up on his plane again. So you want that to be. That's true. You want him to be happy. Kind of, kind of crazy, you know. But uh, Jeff's like, I've never done that before. I was like, well, it happened. We want our pilots to be happy. And by the way, uh, for all you social media people, if you see me on some social media account selling something, you know, for a hundred dollars, <laughs> and please don't be that gullible. Obviously, someone has hacked my account, and we were just talking about that. But I just thought, what struck me about that? Or, son, or if you see Dad selling CBD oil. My son sends me a text at like <laughs> 6 o'clock this morning. He's like, Dad, someone's hacked your Twitter account. They're selling computers for that you are signing for $600. And I was, Because he was like, you need to do something about this now. Of course, you can't. Whoever did that locked me out. Of course. So I can't go fix it. And so I'm like... Are we this gullible in our society that, because I read it, uh, you know, one, a person on my team sent me the screenshot because it just says, and we'll donate it to charity. Yeah. Well, I, I'm like, are we this gullible that I'm selling? I'm in the computer business now and I'm selling, you know, all these signed copies of this computer that they've obviously stolen. <laughs> 
and we're just gonna yeah, well, donate they're, they're them. Not, to, uh, trust, trust me when I tell you, they're not sending out any computers. Yeah, I mean, they're just <laughs> well, you know, it happens on the podcast. You'll get on YouTube. This we probably should clarify this, and then they'll have. I always know it's 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 well, I know it's fake because it's not us doing it, but. You can know that it's fake when Phil's commenting on every single post and trying to drive you somewhere else. Go to this site. You know, don't do it. It's not Phil. I don't care if it has his picture on it. It's not us. It's not anybody that has to do with our, our organization. But yeah, they, they'll, they'll try to, I guess they try to drive people into these suck holes where they can, you know, extract money from them. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if we need to it address it. I think common sense applied should know that it's a scam. Well, yeah, because I've gotten notes from people before, and they're saying, you know, I'm so disappointed in your dad. I just never thought he would be selling marijuana. Well, like, I get a weekly. Come on, man. Uh, I don't answer it. When my friends send me a text and say, you know, heard about Cy, you know, hey, I'm sorry yeah. you know, for your loss, and uh, I don't even respond. R.I.P. I mean, I just got one from one of our good friends this yeah. past week. I just did, you know, let us know if we can do anything. Because I'm assuming they read somewhere on the internet. I'm like, don't you think that you would know from us in, in a in a way that was just obvious reality? Yeah, than just reading some you know Facebook posts under you know in the comment section <laughs> that somebody was going. But your Twitter, your Twitter was got. That's what got hacked, right, Jay? Yeah, it just got your hacked. Twitter account. Twitter account yeah. got hacked. So, so don't. So the 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 moral of the story is don't purchase an Apple computer signed by Jace for yeah. six hundred dollars. Is that is that the price of the yeah. whole thing? Yeah, six hundred dollars. Yeah, it was six hundred bucks a pop. Pretty good. Pretty good pop. I didn't know my signature. I was actually flattered that someone thought that they would buy something with my signature on it for. Well, $700. the computer is five ninety nine. Just your signature is worth one dollar. <laughs> no, not a, if it's an Apple computer, it's twelve hundred dollars. It's actually <laughs> discounted your signature. They said it was a MacBook. I don't know what that is. <laughs> if, if they're selling MacBooks for six hundred dollars with yeah, your signature that, on it, then they actually devalued your signature. Yeah. So it's a scam. So fake. Uh, hopefully, scam. by the time if they haven't resolved the situation by the time this airs do not do it so zach did you show the uh did you show any of the the movie to any of the people at liberty while you were there you you said you had yeah, some we film did. students yeah we did a um we showed it to the film students so we had a, a they have a theater there yeah um so we got in there and they put myself jill my wife willie and Corey, and cole on the front row. So about half, oh, and, and little Will was with us too. But I don't know, about 10 minutes into the film, Willie gets up and, and I thought he walked out and I'm like, cause he hasn't seen, he hasn't seen any, he saw one cut at the very beginning and, uh, and it's come a long way since then. So he got, he got up and walked out and I was thinking, man, that guy, he can't sit through anything. I was just sitting there, but I didn't realize that he had actually gone to the back cause he couldn't see it. And uh, so he, he, he does, he does and, put the A and D in ADD. Oh my you know gosh, man. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen anything like it. It's, I mean, I thought he's outside, you know, yeah. probably got something to eat. Went and got a, <laughs> now you know why we fought so much as kids. <laughs> so, no, I get it. I get it. Couldn't, couldn't take it. You can't just sit in one place <laughs> and behave. But he did sit through the movie. He just sat in the back. And then, so then they called us all back on stage after the, the movie was over and this was not like the full, this is a, what they call a locked cut. So it didn't have all the sound in it and all the music. And, um, but it, you know, so it's, but it, we're showing it to film students. So they get this. And, uh, so Willie gets back on stage and of course he's like, I mean, he's in tears. Well, he's like, man, my allergies are, you know, cutting up and, you know, <laughs> you know kind of thing. but he said, I got, I was sitting there and he said, that I was trying not to cry. He said, but, then I heard the whole row behind me crying and I was like, and he said, then I lost it. And for him, I think he said, you know, it's helped, it helped me understand a lot, you know, and um, it's such a good movie of hope. I mean, it really is a hopeful movie. I, I mean, it's, I think we go there. I think we, the case said something earlier that we were telling it like it, like it really happened. I think we capture it, but I think it's when you watch the end of it, you got to get to the end of it. You know, it's, it's, it is the most, authentic gospel presentation I think has that's ever been put in a movie. 
I mean, I, it is, you, when you see it, you're going to be like, man, that is, it just seems real. So they loved it. I mean, they said zero cheese factor. They said it was, I mean, the, the, the guy who runs the film department there was like, man, this, you guys, you didn't make Seems it real because it was real, right? Oh, yeah. It's like, I mean, that's what I, they said, well, how did you write the script and all this stuff? And, what you know, and we had several writers involved. I said, honestly, you know who wrote the script was Phil and Kay. <laughs> and we sat down with them. And, I mean, it's, I mean, it's pretty much verbatim. I mean, Phil, you didn't get a writing credit. I apologize, but you probably should have negotiated that because, uh, I mean, it's all your stuff. Yeah. No, but it's the, it's the idea in this act that the, what's happened is, you know, movies about people's lives that people remember. I mean, the the really, you know, powerful ones, the reality, the grit of it is, you know, it's not necessarily, we don't think of those in the Christian realm, except I would argue for the passion which yeah. showed the reality of Christ. And I mean, I thought Gibson captured that. And of course it's brutal. I mean, it's, it's a hard watch. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. You know, but, but it's, it's also just, I mean, it captures it. And so not to compare this movie to that, but I'm saying the idea of a Christian film being, you know, grounded in the reality of mom and dad's life, I think is, is what you guys were shooting for. And it sounds like hopefully that's what's, people are getting from it that have seen it so far. Is that a fair? Yeah. Take? I, yeah. I think, I think so. I think that's why we're going to need like a lot of people to kind of come out and, and help us with it in terms of like our, you know, the people who keep up what we're doing, because one of the, the best compliment we got was the guy got up on stage and he said, man, he was just, he just kind of stopped for a second. Like, wow. And he's just like, wow. He said, uh, you know, we watch every single Christian movie, that's ever been done. We screen them here, you know, obviously. And he said, this movie is different because he said, it doesn't feel like a Christian film. And he said, it feels like a mainstream film with a Christian worldview. And that was like the biggest compliment to me. Cause that's what we want to tell, you know, we want to do art in a way that, that really moves people. And not that Christian films will do that cause they do, but I'm, you know, there's some very powerful Christian films out there. Uh, we didn't quite want to get boxed in like that um, just because I think this is a, an evangelistic film. And one of the things that uh, the one of the little girls asked, she said, how do you tell about this kind of darkness and still glorify God? And I was like, you know, if you read the Bible and I, I mentioned, I didn't read the passage, but I said, if you go to Ephesians, I mean, uh, um, Ezekiel chapter 23, there is very vivid uh, language used to describe these sisters that were lusting after the Assyrian warriors. And it's very, very graphic language. It's very, I mean, it's disturbing. You go read it. Read Ezekiel chapter 23. You're, you will be shocked if you don't know what's in there of how how explicit the Bible can get. Um, and it's painting this picture of depravity. It's, it's it's showing sin for what it is. And so and you know, I think that what we want to do when we tell stories about, you know, about gospel-centered stories, a big part of the gospel is talking about the fall. And the fall, we shouldn't whitewash it to make it sound like it's something that it's not. I mean, it's a dark place. Um, but when you see that, then I think that that it, it makes the grace. I said this in the last episode, uh, referencing Paul in Romans chapter one and two and three, is when you see how bad we can be, then you also see how good God is when He redeems us out of that. And so I think that's was kind of the arc that we we wanted to take with the film, and I I think we got there. So it's exciting. Yeah, so that's the the blindmovie.com. Uh if you want to check that out to get the updates and that kind of stuff. So come in September just as a reminder. So uh, let's take a break. So there's quite a bit going on in the pro-life world. All of our family has been quite involved. Dad recently spoke at a pregnancy center fundraiser. Um I think um I read dad that uh over 2000 clients have been seen where you were. I forgot how many uh, where I was in Alabama, but a similar number. So it's interesting because since Roe v. Wade has been overturned, um, you know, there now is a need for more, especially in states uh, that have more restrictive laws, there's going to be more needs as where you were and where I was. And so uh, there's a group called 40 Days for Life that's working alongside what we're doing. And what they're doing is they're going to these states that uh, have more open laws uh, where you're seeing more abortion, and they're praying. Um, that's, that's one of our main weapons uh, in this war against abortion. 
because they want women to make a, a better choices. And so they have over 1 million volunteers in 1,500 cities. 40 Days for Life holds 40-day peaceful vigils to offer love and hope outside abortion facilities. They've saved over 23,000 babies. They've converted 247 abortion workers. So obviously uh, they're winning uh, a lot of these battles. They've uh, helped close 132 abortion facilities in America, and 45% of those were in more liberal states. And so, you know, they're kind of working on those front lines. So we want you to check them out, see how you can best support them. Check out their locations, their podcast. They have a free magazine at 40daysforlife.com. Helps you stay updated. Lisa's contributed an article uh, to that newsletter. So uh, great work. These folks are great. We know Sean Carney well. He's been on our podcast. That's 40daysforlife, 40 daysforlife.com. Check them out. See how you can get involved. So we're, uh, we're moving on to second Peter, uh, today. And, uh, <clears throat> we kind of referenced it the last time we closed out first Peter. And, uh, I thought today by way of just kind of getting into it, this, this book is, is, uh, is different. And it's, it's not, it's probably not written too long after, there's some controversy um, of the authorship just because it's it's written differently than the first one. Um, most scholars think that Peter wrote this in his own hand because it's written quite differently. It's not nearly as eloquent as uh, First Peter is, and so most people that um, that study this sort of thing, because you know we don't dive too much into the scholarly aspect of it, but most scholars think that. The difference is, is that, you know, Silas helped write the first one. And Peter was not a scholar. I mean, we know that. He was a fisherman. and But he was there. He was, you know, he witnessed everything that he saw. And so the first book, he obviously had help writing it. This book, it seems like, from what the scholars tell us, is that he he wrote this one himself. And so it's not quite as put together as well. A lot of people have said he didn't write it because it's so different, that someone wrote it like, Maybe a couple of centuries later. So that's and the, the first two words are Simon Peter. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the thing is, if you <laughs> we gave it away, <laughs> if you buy into, here's, I, I kind of lean that way. Well, that. they're saying somebody could have put. Simon well, that's what Peter, they say. But, the problem is, if you if you go down that road that somebody else wrote this, and here's the reason they say it because it's a book. Here, here you go, Zach. Here's your word. If it's a book about because that he's uh, the second coming because of the third chapter, you know, because they're worried because it hasn't happened yet. So in other yeah. words, they're worried about this. So the theory is, is that someone wrote this a couple of hundred years later because everybody's like, well, why hadn't Jesus come back yet? Yeah. So some third century Christian leaders wrote this book in Peter's name because yeah. they're trying to quiet the, you know, the church mm-hmm. down. So the problem is when you do that and put Peter's name on, you're basically saying the Christian, you know, the Christian church is now writing books and attributed to people earlier. That's a, not a road we want to go down <laughs> when we're talking about the Word of God, that people just willy-nilly start writing books and attributing it to other authors. So, but well, that's, you got to keep them, and you got to keep in mind too. There, like there was, there actually was a book written that was a what's called a spurious document, which means it was a fraud. Um, it was a fraudulent gospel. The gospel, I think, it was the Gospel of Peter that was circulating but it was quickly identified from the early church as being That's uh, right. not not a true not a true gospel so there were works of that were attributed to peter that weren't necessarily peter's work um and they were not they weren't necessarily they weren't his work so like uh, to me i think that that may have come out um you know, I, I think that would have been identified by the early church if this wasn't. If God a, a made Peter. it possible for us to read about His Son and how He appeared, born of a virgin, died on a cross, buried in a tomb, and raised from the dead, if He wants to get that information out through various uh, entities, you, you can't stop Him. And and, and it, it is what it is: the Word of God. That's my opinion. Correct. And and uh, somehow these thugs got in there and throw this in there. I'm saying the Almighty said, no, no. He could keep that from happening like that. And the only reason I bring it up is because you're going to read stuff like Some of our audience will dive deeper into this. And you're going to read stuff like this. But remember, Dad's right. 
the the Holy Spirit has guided, as we will read in this first chapter, That's correct, has guided this through the annals of time, including the last two thousand years. And when when Simon Peter signs his name at the beginning of this book, we know that he wrote the book. And so I, I believe he wrote it in his it's hand. Funny, I mean, because like early on in my faith, you know, I had all these just hundreds of Bible studies just one-on-one, and of course you'd run up on inevitably people who didn't believe this is the Word of God. Right. So I would read Second Peter 1.18. I've read it hundreds of times. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we were told to you about the power, power and coming of our Lord Jesus, but we were eyewitnesses. And then it goes on to say uh, in verse... 20, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And they always said every time, yeah, but that's what they would write if if they were, you know, so it was like, but we don't believe that because why wouldn't they say that? But so that's just a person. Yeah, Peter not mentioned being that honest. in chapter one concerning this salvation. The prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. It's coming later. When they now told of you by those who have uh, yeah, you preached, lost your mic. You preached, get in front of your mic. Preached the gospel to you by the heaven by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Yeah, that's for so I would Peter say, one. I'd say God got it right. Yeah, this is exactly right. And and again, He's made that clear all the way through. So <clears throat> so the overview. There's three chapters in this letter, and they're really not because it was just one letter, but. It's been broken down into three chapters. We've said that many times. The people added the numbers just for yeah. It's just one letter. There's three themes is the best yeah. way to say it. But it's it, in your Bibles, it looks like three chapters, but it's three themes. And the first one is sort of an exhortation to spiritual maturity, is what I would call it. That we're going to deal with in the in the well, first maybe one. spiritual growth. I mean, yeah, spiritual growth. There you go. Yeah. Spiritual maturity, spiritual growth. And this this the idea of and this is a continuation from the first letter, I would say, wouldn't you, Jace? I mean Oh hundred percent. It's gonna carry right over from the first letter. The last podcast I brought up that first Peter two where he said moving on as infants craving pure milk in chapter two. Yeah. In fact, you know, it's interesting, Jace, because um we were talking about because I'm doing some video and later today for uh series on parables that our church is doing. And we were talking about the purpose of parables, which Mike and I are doing a a thing today for that. It was really interesting because it was going back and looking at Jesus doing the parables in our study. We were talking about in first Peter, something new we learned about our studies. And when I got to this section, the second Peter, I had never thought about it before, but you know, when Jesus was teaching those parables and the, and the disciples were there you had all the ones about the parable of the sower and all these things where you had the seed being the gospel and the I am the vine and you are the branches and you know all these different parables. When you see this section like here in Second Peter chapter one, later John does the same thing in First John four and tells about the love. You know, God is love. It was really interesting because you're watching twenty, thirty, and forty years later these kind of now wizened disciples who first learned about those parables, now you're seeing the growth factor of those ideas about the seeds and the fruit now being borne out. Because when he when he's talking about some of the qualities here from chapter one about what it looks like when this thing when this grows into full born fruit, I mean it's pretty amazing when you see this fruit being born out and grown. Oh no doubt. And well, so, and he says in the first verse, uh, depending on your translation, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as potent or precious as ours. I mean, he's acknowledging 
Yeah. How powerful and potent or precious, I think potent is probably the best translation when I looked at this before. But he's saying you're, you can have that. Right. You're, you're, it, I, I, I tend to think we put these guys on a pedestal like they were tier one disciples because they were eyewitnesses. Right. But he's right off the bat saying, yours is going to be just as potent. And right. that takes you back to the memory of the John where he said, you've, uh, what is that, 21, where he said, you've believed because you, you've seen me. Jesus was telling that to Thomas, but he's like, bless the ones who haven't seen and yet still believe. So it's the same. This There's no hierarchy in this. I mean, you, you remember the disciples struggle with who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom, which one we're going to sit on the right and the left. And so I love how Peter, which is a sign of how his faith has grown, that we're all on equal footing under the grace of God. Yeah, and so you see this idea. I, I love that idea of growth and how that goes. Let's take a break. So, so the reason you have this idea about spiritual growth in this first chapter and then the idea about why you need to understand that all this has come about as a result of prophecy and scripture, because then he's going to hit that second part of that idea is because first you have this this idea of fruitful um, growth, and then the second half of chapter one, he's going to give you the idea of the source of where that comes from, and it's scripture. And I, I think it was the last podcast, was did you talking about that, about why we, rem, we have to be reminded about where this comes from? He Three different times in verses 12 through 15, he uses the word remind or remember. Mm-hmm. Three times, remind, remember. Um, you will remember these things. Um, let's see. Refresh your memory. So he keeps bringing it up. We can, we got to go back. We got to go back. We got to go back. And then he. Oh, no, that's a that's a great point. Because look, it because it, we made the point closing First Peter that it was it's based on grace, and this is more of an experience. A what he's going to call a participation in the divine nature. Now that that phrase seems so complex that I think we miss you know the power. But as as newborn babes in Christ, we we are then allowed through the Holy Spirit to participate in the nature of God. This is not something you took a class over. You know, when we were saying you're you're gonna participate in this. I mean, I like how First John says that we fellowship with Him. I mean, there's a you say fellowship. Because, but- yeah, because because he tabernacles with us. I mean, I think yeah. that what you just that that phrase in, in the NASB it says his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Uh, to me, it may be one of the most powerful. I agree. Phrases in the Bible is the idea that we can be participators and partakers in the divine nature. To me, I, I, I think we have to explore what that means because I think that, and I think it's just the, at the core of, of what Peter's talking about. I think it is the core of sanctification. I think it's the core of, of glorification. I think it's the core of everything. John Piper says uh, he has a sermon or a book, I think, called The Gospel is God. And um, and he unpacks a lot of th- this idea, but I think what, yeah, that that you're right, Jace. I I hope yeah, we're well, we're going to dive that's into. That's why phrase. I was making a big point about verse one when I said the I thought felt the word should be translated as potent as our. You've received a faith as potent as our. Well, what makes it potent is that you're participating in really God's. DNA, I mean, I'm, or DNS, which would be, I guess, the divine nature spiritually. Because when you think about what he's saying here, we, you know, we we all uh, acknowledge that as believers that we were made by God. I think everybody who who claims to be a Christian acknowledges that informationally. If you ask somebody, I mean, where'd you come from? Well, I believe there's a God. But what he's saying is. 
And, and we call that DNA. You know, we look at DNA and we use it as an argument that there's evidence there's a God. Yeah, I've, I've used that hundreds of times. Who, who wrote the code? Who wrote this sophisticated code in each one of our cells? There's a design that demands a designer. But what he's going to here is even bigger than that because he's saying by being born again, you're participating in God's DNA on the spiritual level. You, you, get, you, you actually have the nature of God from the spiritual level, level entering your body. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting because he's going to, after this reminder, he's going to go back as his eyewitness account. And guess where he goes back to? He goes back to the transfiguration. Well, exactly. Well, that was my point. I got I got sidetracked. My original point is when you brought up the scriptures, and it, he he was saying though you you're participating in this, but it is based on truth. Yeah, there is a truth that this is. It's not just based on you like saying, oh, uh, you know, let me just turn to a scripture. Y'all seen people who do that and and uh, and say I'm going to see what God wants me to do. Since I have this relationship with, well, what if you turn to the one that says, you know, Judas went and hung himself? Yeah. Well, well, I know what you're going to do. You're going to go turn to another one. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so you find the one but you want. My point is, that's not yeah. participating in the nature of God. That's you trying to fit God in your in your nature instead of. You know, the, of, of having th- this is that's why it's based on grace and you surrendering to that is what I was getting getting to. That might have been a poor illustration, but I y'all think you see my point? Yeah, I mean, we want to we 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 tend to want to create God in our image as opposed to realize that we're created in His image and invited to partic- participate in His nature. Which, if you start exploring the nature of God, that's when the that's when that's when things get hairy because man, you start looking at what like what God did, who is the sovereign power of all powers i mean this you're the supreme being and then and then you think about what happened we were talking about earlier in this episode about the passion of christ you think that that god allowed that to happen to him and so part of what we're participating in is is that but it's i think it's deeper than that because god god is fulfilled in and of himself you know um, i love that part it makes me feel so good when i read act 17 and that line that says God doesn't live in temples built by man's hands as if he needed anything. And I, it makes me feel good to know that God doesn't him being God is not contingent upon Zach Dasher, giving him praise or glory. He's God, no matter what, like he is well, right. who he is regardless of me. And right. so you start to get this idea of who he is. And so part of what we'll want to do as we kind of dive into this is figure out for partaking in the divine nature. Then the, the question I got is, what is the divine nature that we're participating in? I know it's not simply getting saved as Jace keeps bringing this up. I think it's key. It's not just getting justified because he says here at the very beginning, it's more than that. He says, grace, he says, uh, verse two, he said, uh, verse one, he says, uh, yeah, verse two, grace and peace be multiplied. Now think about that. Like it's like we're grace is not something that you receive one time. And it's over. Like, like there's a call here for grace to be multiplied and increased in your life, in our life, as we participate in the divine nature. To me, that's the part that, like, when you, when you think about the entry point into your salvation, at your justification, that that's the entry point. But it's not the end of God's grace. It's right. just the beginning of God's grace. Well, that was the point. I mean, you're making a point, and we're, I'm sure we'll get into this in detail in the first chapter. But he also says, like verse 5, add to your faith. Verse 8, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, um, that's where we got the idea of spiritual gro- growth. But it is based on truth and who God is, which ultimately Jesus said, I am the truth. So there's a reason why y'all swerved into the importance of this major point, and it's the the second theme that he's going to get into, which is the second chapter, is because, and this is the real purpose of the book, is because he's really addressing some false teachers. Now, this is why he's so aggressive in this book. He starts it off with this first chapter about spiritual growth and remember about why you got what you got, because apparently 
there's this whole idea of falsehood that's come in, and that's who he's really addressing. And it still does today. It's the most difficult thing in Christianity is because what the world zeroes in on are all the false teachers. Exactly. And you go back the history of this country the last two or 300 years, well, a lot of the religious institutions were a lot of the troublemakers and oppressing people and based on where they were from and doing exorcisms on, you know, the Native Americans. It goes all the way back to Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. It's just, yeah, and it's unfortunate, but it doesn't. That's it, why a lot of people right there, Sodom and Gomorrah, they said, that, uh, no, well, it we, doesn't don't, we deny. don't want to hear that. That's right. right. The mindset is what he's dealing yep. with. That's, that's right. why I was making the point uh, when Zach brought up Acts 17, and that's a good place to go, but it, that the Bible rarely says that, you know, it looks at it from God is the father of all, but it does in Acts 17. It, it's acknowledged that. Remember when it says we are his offspring? Yep. We are. Everybody's made by God. Yep. But then you have this special relationship with those who have put their faith and trust in their creator. And that's what John 1 addresses when he says he's given us the right to become children. And, you know, Jesus would further explain that we're born again. And mm-hmm. just like Peter zeroing in on that in First Peter 2, we, we grow up as, as babies. But everybody has to realize there this is an organic thing that happens. We have God's DNA. We get to participate in it. But you still got to realize this is a process. If that's the illustration that they're using, and Jesus uses it, Peter uses it, this is a process that you're journeying through, and you're having to overcome suffering, even though you've got your faith in God. You're having to overcome false teachers, false prophets, which is incredible. And I think the most frustrating process of being a Christian is when you see somebody, especially in your own group, who is literally acting the exact opposite of the character of God, yet representing Jesus. I mean, it is horrifying. But guess what? It happens every day. It's just like I showed up somewhere in North Mississippi. It's a packed house. Look, I had nothing to do with that as far as trying to plan it we're going to go over here to somewhere in Mississippi, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, So, because we'll get a lot of people. I just looked up. They were all there, and a jet aircraft got me there quick. And I'm looking around like, I mean, I've never been there. And it was just a large crowd. Of course, it was a, a perfect setting to get the gospel preached. It, it was just perfect, and I had nothing to do with it. Other than someone watched this lifestyle and they saw that lifestyle and they said, that, that one. See what I'm saying? Yep. I just say, simply put, God arranged it. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Saving little children. I mean, I, I said, what better for what, what that somebody's doing the work of God over there. Right. Yeah. But you also have it an. ties ex- us all together. But you also have an expectation that the evil one would oh, would not want that to happen. That is correct. And so therefore, there will be forces that line up to make sure that someone doesn't oh, be impacted by that, yeah. which is Peter's Insults point. and this and that and the other, they just come and go with the, with, the, with the job. So his point when he gets into this second idea is that, which is why he's trying to prep him in the first idea, is that it's always been that way. And to Jace's point, it always will be that way. And we're still going to be dealing with it to this day. Uh, I talked about that with... Uh, an event we were doing a few years ago in South Carolina and some demoniac person servant of Satan by their own declaration had called into this center, this place we were going. And they said, we're praying with a full, you know, everything we've got in the name of Satan against your event, against your speakers, against, and we all got sick. We had all kinds of issues. I mean, these people were lining up. They were calling on the name of the evil one against us. But in the end, we were there. God rallied us. But to Peter's point, you know, there is falsehood. So oh, he, yeah. he's going to deal with that. And then when he gets to the third one, which is really interesting, he's going to bring in this idea about the return of Christ. And so when we get there, it'll be really interesting because we're going to talk about the second coming. We're also going to talk a little bit about this whole idea about end times because there's some interesting stuff about that because Peter's right up against AD 70 in his own death, which is, we're going to talk about that in the first chapter as well. 
So what is he talking about there? He's talking about judgment that's coming and being ready for it. And so that's kind of the idea. So the idea is that this falsehood is looming. It ends up, the whole thing goes into a ball of fire, Al. Well, exactly. And he's going to talk about new heaven and new earth. So it's really some interesting thoughts. But the idea is that judgment looms always, no matter where you are in time, whether it's end-time judgment or end-of-time judgment. So we're going to talk quite a bit about that. So you see the kind of the big theme that he lays out. You, you have to have spiritual maturity to be ready to face falsehood, to be ready to face judgment. That's kind of where he's going with this theme. And the backdrop is looking at his own life because he's lived his whole life to this point, and especially for these last 30 years, ever since he encountered Jesus. That's kind of the theme of where he's at when when he looks at it. So that's kind of the bigger picture. But there are some, what I would call some, as we talked about in the last, some some key words and some key verses and themes that go along. And we'll look at a couple of those in our in our last few minutes that we have here. Some of them we've kind of already mentioned. <clears throat> one of them is is one that you've already mentioned and that's verses two uh through four. Uh, Zach, you mentioned this grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. And so he's going to talk a lot about that, why it's important to know who he is. His divine power, verse three has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge, there he's mentioned it twice, of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Though these, he, Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by human desire, which he's going to mention quite a bit. So that's when we're going to get into that first concept of purity, which we're going to talk about that addition. Let's take another word. And then the second one is, I would say, is is chapter 2, verse 1, and that's the idea about false prophets and false teachers. And he says they secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, bringing swift destruction. So, oh, Who bought them. Who bought them, right. Yeah. Um, to, uh, bringing swift destruction on themselves. So we see kind of what the central theme there is, is this idea about denying who Jesus is. Well, no, a lot, I, I, make that, I make that point because a lot of people who do not believe in Jesus, they use this verse as something like horrific that, you know, God is buying, you know, human beings. It's like, I mean, the gall. But, you know, it was through his blood and, and innocent sacrifice and purchase them in a in a spiritual way. This is also a good verse that you know when people say uh, that they're you know only God has determined just the, the few people that He's chosen that or He doesn't love everybody. Um, right. Even then, He He got God spilled His blood through Jesus for the very people who are heretics and are slandering him and does not believe him, which right. I thought, you know, it was interesting that Peter used that phraseology. Right, which is, it is interesting. And the third one is three, um, three, three is the third thought. This is kind of a key verse. First of all, you must understand the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. First four says, they will say, where's the coming? He promised. Ever since our fathers died, every everything goes on as it is, uh, as it has since the beginning of creation. Yep. So this idea about where is it, and is that talking about the end times? Is that talking about you know judgment that's has been promised about eighty seventy, which we'll kind of get into that. I'm not quite sure. I mean, how you would say something, but Peter used the phrase, but they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word. You say, well, if you forget something, you just finally slipped your mind. But but in this case, they 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 hear what God has said, and they deliberately forget it. I mean, I never heard that phraseology before. How do you deliberately forget something? Well, that's well, one of that the means, themes of that, Peter of Second Peter. Means you know it. You know yeah. it happened, but you deliberately forget it. Right. I, I mean, mean, if that, you want to read a. Uh, a parallel text is Psalm 103, because I think it's all about 
the same theme, forgetting. Jesus died on, for on you, purpose. and I guess if you say that didn't happen, you deliberately forget that. I mean, you say no. Well, it's, I, it, I, that I, out I think of my it's, mind. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it has to do with discussions we've had earlier too. When we get into like uh, Hebrews six, when we did Hebrews, and that, and when we went through the blasphemy of the spirit, it's this. It's the putting the fingers in the ears, and it's yeah. it's a deliberate, willful rejection of revelation and, and truth, which is re- revelation that comes from God. It means that God is is revealing to us the truth about about reality, and so particularly when you've tasted there's that, a not, there's a lot of uh, I deliberately forget what you just said. There's a lot written about that. Oh, there really is. You got well. You got Hebrews six. You got Galatians four. You like have Hebrews mighty chapter throng. ten. You've got Second Peter chapter uh, two. I mean, you've got yeah. There's a lot. There there is a lot written about it, and I think we'll, we certainly will get into it as the as we unfold. It got, we're kind of in that place right now. Where we're trying to get the overview. Like I, I just want to like jump right in. You know, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're we're just trying to do overview right now. But yeah, another thing that I thought was interesting was sort of the personal nature in uh in second peter one thirteen when he said peter says uh, i think it's right to refresh your memory as long as i live in the tent of this body because i know that i will soon put it aside as our lord jesus has made clear to me and and then he says and i will make every effort to see that after my departure you will always be able to remember these things. And I thought that was interesting that it that there was a clarity there that Peter kind of goes back to that John twenty one moment. You know when Jesus, remember he told him, he said, "There's going to come a time. You know you've been able to lead yourself around and you know put your own clothes on you, but there's going to come a time when someone else is going to do that." And it's almost like in this moment of writing this last book, because this is the last book he wrote. There's no doubt about it. And it's like he kind of recognizes that when he puts that in there, because he says, as as the Lord has made clear to me, you know, that this is it. This is this is what I this is what he was talking about. This is I'm about to go. You know, it's kind of like when Paul said, you know, I'm pouring out as a drink offering. So it's like. I don't know. There's just a, I don't know, kind of a clarity to me when I'm reading that, that he's like given his last will and testament sort of, you know, and he does it in such a warning way is, is what's, I don't know, sort of clashing to me, you know, just reading this book or reading this letter. Selah. Selah. <laughs> it just affected y'all so deeply. I guess well, you have well, to say. Wait, it's well, when you get to the end of the podcast and you're like, do I want to open up the can of worms yet? You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, well, I was reading that, you, that 103. I made that reference to it and I was making sure that was the right one. But it, it, it's a good read because he's going to say, if you want to keep your calling and election sure, and when he gets into that, then yeah. to Phil's point, the opposite side of that is deliberately forgetting. Yeah. And I think it's more to it. Then we think, I, I don't think it's like, well, how do you, how do you forget that? Well, you, you forget it because you don't want it interfering with your light or your agenda. Mm. And we do the same yeah. thing with the gospel. You, you have it in your mind, but if it's not at the core and at the center, you actually forget it in your day-to-day life. And I think that's what he's saying. That well, Once you start down that road, that's what happens. It's a scary thing. You say, we yeah. lost you, Phil. you got to get in front yeah. of that mic. Hello, Second Peter uh, <laughs> Hello. chapter 2, verse 3. In their greed, you got, y'all going to have to help me on this one. In their greed, these are false teachers and their destruction. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. What exactly is he trying to say there, Jace? Well, that's a good cliffhanger. That's a good cliffhanger for when we get there. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. Yeah, but he does explain it. And, what, what the, and there are markers of false teachers that are I, – I do say, I will say this about the false teachers – I do think we should be a little cautious on throwing that label out there. I see it a lot, and I'm like, my gosh, man, where are you so quick to label someone as a false teacher? We grew up in a church uh, faith tradition that, that you, you guys remember that. That was 
it, very quick to call out false teachers and false brothers and whatnot. I think the label is should be reserved for like for certain people, but I think we shouldn't use it as broadly as sometimes I think we do. But I think that what's interesting about this whole, you know, uh, uh, this this trajectory that Peter's on, when you think about what Phil said in the last podcast, about, I think it was the last podcast about the reason why we do good works. It's the same kind of counter to that to why we don't sin and the warning against sinning. You don't just wake up one day and like, man, you know what? I'm going to today. I'm going to reject the Holy Spirit. I'm going to reject truth. I'm going to like that. The nature of sin is that as you participate in it, what you're participating in is something that's not true. You're participating in a lie. You're 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 taking revelation from God and you're saying, God, I don't believe what you're telling me to be true. I think you're a liar. I think you're holding out on me and I'm going to go do this other thing. And that's what sin is. It's just a rejection of the truth. It's just calling God a liar. So if I continue down that road, there is a point, and I think that that, 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 that some of this will we'll mention in here, there's a point where you can't even see the truth anymore. And so the danger of sin is not that you'll sin too much to where God will say, oh, that's too many. I can't allow that many sins. I mean, there's no amount of sin a person can commit where God's blood isn't uh, isn't efficacious enough to play, uh, pay for it. The danger of sin is that it corrupts your mind. It corrupts the, what you think. It corrupts you. And it's like a cancer that grows in you, and it will change the way you see the world. And And you will reject God if you give yourself over to it. You won't even see him. It'll sound like foolishness to you. And, Peter and that's the motivation. The, yeah, Peter makes the point. And 120, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. It's critical that a human being uh, stand on that. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That you better pay attention to, Peter said, but don't not on the rest of it, because then he goes into this because of their greed, they come up with these stories. That's a bunch of bull. God's, yeah, but he God's gets, the one but he who gives, appointed the it, right. He gives you the outline of where to watch out for them. If they're denying the sovereign Lord, yep. if they're following the sinful nature, and they're despising authority, yeah, that should yeah. be the three red yeah. flags. That's why I get this book out of there. Well, there they go. Yeah, yeah. that's what we'll talk about. So we'll have a little bit more to explore in our uh in our overview in the overtime, if you want to follow us over, blazetv.com slash unashamed as we get into Second Peter. We'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.